Good morning, church. I'm excited for our time together today as we continue our conversation about heaven. And I'm eager to get into the word because our passage this morning is going to tell us so much about how we can live like heaven is real. And, and I truly believe if you take this to heart, if you embed it in your soul, if you uh, reframe how you make decisions based on this passage of scripture, it could change your life and the lives of those around you. Now, last week we talked about heaven and we asked, what does the Bible say that heaven will be like? If you missed that sermon, you can find it online on our website. I'll do some quick review and then we're gonna shift our attention to how can we live like heaven is real. So this is what we learned about heaven last week. The scriptures say God's word gives us a compelling vision of eternity. And the truth that we learned from Revelation 21 is that when Jesus returns, God renews, he recreates his creation, a new heaven and a new earth. And ultimately, that is where every Christian soul will live and dwell forever. And, and the Bible's really clear that this dwelling place will be new and real, and we will have heavenly perfected bodies there. Heaven will be the most real place that we've ever known. It'll be as if here we were living in, in black and white and, and there the full spectrum of color is going to be visible to us. The Bible also tells us that we'll experience relationships in heaven, most importantly with God himself, our creator, the author and perfecter of our faith. We will see God face to face. And we'll also enjoy relationships with other believers throughout history. This week, I was tucking my daughter uh, into bed, and, and part of our bedtime routine is we read from her children's storybook Bible. And the passage this week was the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary. And so I told my Mary that she's named after this Mary in the Bible. And she thought about this for a second, and then she asked very sweetly, Dad, will I get to meet her in heaven? And I said, yeah, I, I think you will. And she said, good, I, I want to tell her that we have the same name. That's a great icebreaker. We will have relationships in heaven. And that's amazing. And in heaven, we're going to experience freedom. A freedom from sin and brokenness that we've never had. No more tears or sadness or hurt. And we'll also experience a freedom for, a freedom for our true purpose, to live into our true identity as sons and daughters, as children of God, co-heirs with Christ. In church, that is what heaven will be like. And that's our destiny. And so heaven should give us a great hope. But it's not this escapist hope. Knowledge of eternity is not something that we use to sedate ourselves to the difficulty of life or, or from the fear of dying. As we're going to see in Scripture in just a moment, the reality of heaven should actually wake us up to how to live life here on earth. Heaven is, is not just a doctrine to know Nothing in the Bible is written solely for the sake of intellect. God's word describes heaven to us for the purpose of changing how we live life. 
because we're meant to live like heaven is real and like we know we're going there. And so how do we do that? How do we live meaningfully here on earth knowing that this place is only a foretaste, a foreshadowing of heaven? How can we think of the the next world and also make a difference in this one? And that's what we're going to study today. And so please join me in your Bibles. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to look at some other verses as well, but Colossians 3, 1 through 4, is going to guide our time together. Because this passage gives us a clear outline for how to live life with the hope of heaven. And in this passage, we're going to see the truth of heaven and how it should affect our hearts, our minds, and how we live. And so starting in verse 1, the Bible says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. If you have been raised with Christ, meaning if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then this passage gives us three very clear instructions for how to live like we know heaven is real. Three things, our heart, our mind, and our lives. And our first instruction for a heaven-oriented reality, back to verse 1, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Some translations say, set your heart on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. If you are a Christian, if you want to live a significant life here on earth, filled with meaning and purpose, set your heart on heaven. Set your heart on heaven. You can also translate this as seek or desire or pursue. And there's this very soulish connotation to it. Pursue eternity with your heart. And that's why it's so critical to have a perspective on heaven so that we might desire it and and imagine what it will be like. Because generally, we only really think about or or talk about heaven infrequently. Uh, Maybe it's when we're sitting in church or attending a funeral. But this passage tells us to desire heaven, and it's an active verb, meaning it's not one and done. It's something that we do continually. So it's not that we we seek heaven once, we, we become a Christian, and then we're all set. We can stop thinking about it. We can stop pursuing the things above. Or, or that we only set our, our heart's uh, affection on heaven when we're at a memorial service or when we're in church teaching on it. No, Colossians 3.1 says to set your heart on heaven actively, always, every single day. Live like heaven is real and like you know you're headed there. We're meant to seek heaven, where we are destined to live for eternity with Christ. Because the things of earth, they're they're temporary. The things of heaven will last forever. Hebrews 13 tells us, For here, this life, we have no lasting city, but we seek the city, we seek heaven that is to come. 
To live significantly in a world that will not last, you must place your heart and your hope in a place that will. And Jesus says this clearly in Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Setting your heart on things above means treasuring the things of heaven. And so this, this ought to change how we, we look at the world and the way that we spend our, our time and our money and our resources and our relationships. Because consider for a moment the ways that we attempt to bring uh, purpose and, and meaning and fulfillment to our lives here. The things that we treasure. Self-worth, uh, wealth, pleasure, control, whatever it might be. Your spouse, your family, your your children, your career, your health, any number of things, right? The things in life that we treasure most are the things that we place our hope in. And the things that we hope in are the things that we hope will bring us the most joy. But if you put all of your hope, if you place all of your treasure here on earth, then whatever that thing is, whoever that person is, whatever has all of your heart, it better not let you down. And they better not fail to live up to your expectations. And they had better last forever. Because if it disappoints, if it fails you, if they don't last eternally, then your hope was misplaced and your treasure is lost. And the truth is, nothing here on earth can take that weight. Nothing here on earth is supposed to. Your ultimate hope, your, your deepest desire, your soul identity cannot rest on the shoulders of your husband or your wife or your career goals or your retirement plans or your kids. Those aren't bad things. They can provide joy in life, but they cannot be the primary treasure of your heart. We're told to set our heart on things above because heaven will last. And the things of heaven, Christ himself, our restored relationship with the Father, that is what brings ultimate joy. Now, I've already said this. This isn't escapism. It's also not stoicism or asceticism. Setting your heart on things above, it doesn't mean withdrawing or or pulling away from this world and, and not enjoying the blessed things, and and the relationships of this life. That's not what I'm saying. Instead, it means leveraging the good and, and the passing and sometimes the fleeting moments of joy that we have here and, and leveraging that into a longing for eternity, a longing for the eternal joy that we will have with Christ. Knowing that this world is not going to last should actually deepen our love for it and expand our yearning for eternity and the reality that is to come. And so how can you begin to actively set your heart on heaven in in your daily life? How can you begin to treasure things above and not only below? Perhaps 
your time is the most valuable thing to you. And a personal study time in God's word has proven really difficult in the past. It just feels like there's not enough time. Could you begin to set your heart on things above and treasure time in the Bible, in Scripture? Because the Word of God will last into eternity, and we have it today. And, and so reading it and, and memorizing it and, and absorbing Scripture is such a powerful way to seek the things that are above. You could begin each day here and, and simply read a psalm think it about it, meditate on it, mull it over in your head, and set your heart on heaven. Or find time to still your soul from distraction and, and spend time with your Creator, sitting quietly with God, imagining, treasuring heaven. Maybe it's a new or, or renewed practice of, of daily prayer. You could begin to incorporate worship into your, your routine. Worship will stretch into infinity. We're told worship exists in heaven. And, and so make, make a playlist of songs that you listen to at, at the beginning of your day or at the end of it. Because music is such a, a powerful tool for, for contemplation. And, and just listen to the songs and, and ponder things that are above. So often, lack of time is our primary uh, obstacle or excuse for, for how we could think about investing in our spiritual lives or in improving our spiritual life. But most of us are now living with more margin in our days, in our lives than we ever have before. We, we've got a lot of time. And so let's not miss this opportunity to begin a new routine of treasuring heaven. What is a practice that you could begin today or tonight to set your heart on heaven? Let's return to Colossians 3 now, and we're going to shift from the heart to the mind. Verse 2 says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. First, set your heart on things that are above, and then set your mind on heaven. In these two verses, we're dealing with two different words. Verse 1, the word seek, it's more closely tied to the heart and the soul. The second verb, set your mind on, it, it means consider, decide, resolve. And it has to do more with how we think. And so with your, your heart turned to heaven, how should you think about this life? There's a great illustration that we've used here at Grace before. It's from a pastor named Francis Chan, and it's helpful for visualizing and setting our minds on what eternity is going to look like. And so I've got this rope in my hands, and it stretches on for eternity. I want you to imagine that this rope just goes on forever. And, and hey, you're not here, so as far as you know, this rope does go on forever. It leaves the, the worship center, and it goes out the front doors of grace, and it, it turns the corner around the road, and it starts heading down 183, goes down towards Houston, past the Gulf of Mexico, into the southern hemisphere, and it loops around the earth over and over and over again to infinity and beyond. This rope goes on forever. And now imagine 
that this rope is a timeline. It's a timeline of your existence, and you are going to exist forever. And, and you see this red taped part in my hand. This represents your time here on earth. You get a few years alive here, and then you spend the rest of eternity somewhere else. This is your mortal existence. This is one human life. This is the hyphen between the birth date and the death date on the tombstone. And what so many of us do is we fixate on this red part. We, we fixate on this part of the rope and we say, here's my life. I, I got to work really hard. I got to uh, work, 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 save, 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 do all of the right things, focus on today because it's all about this life. And then once I get to these like final two centimeters, that's retirement. And I can take a deep breath and pause. Whew, I made it. It was all worth it. Or we fall into this, this trap, and I think it's often a lie from, from Satan, and we use the word later. I'll just do it later. Not, not now, but, but maybe then, over here. That's when I'll start living for God. That's when I'll start thinking more about how I could use my time or my money or my resources for, uh, for the kingdom of God, but, but not right now. I can't do it, so I'll do it later. Or what I tend to do, and maybe you do too, is I journey through this life with such a limited view of eternity and what this life really is. And I'm lulled into this belief that, that I'm most at home here in, in this finite realm. And, and so I worry and I stress about this little red part because it's going to affect this little red part. And I lose sight of all of this but I'm meant to live like heaven is real and like I know I'm going to live there forever, forever and ever. Because eternal life, that is our destiny. Philippians 3.20 tells us our citizenship, meaning our real home, our real place is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, heaven is home. And, and setting our minds on things above, the truth of heaven should cause us to re-examine the way that we think about and talk about this life. And also how we think and talk about death. Because Jesus did not defeat death so that we could continue to live in this overwhelming terror of dying. Scripture, the Bible mocks death it asks, where's its sting? Where's its victory? And so please hear me on this church. Jesus did not just escape death. Jesus conquered it. And in him, in heaven, we have that same triumph. In the book, The Last Battle, it's the finale of, of the Narnia series. The narrator, he realizes that he's died and he's entered into heaven and he exclaims, I've come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land that I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Heaven is home. 
set your mind on heaven. That means if you are a follower of Christ, you do not have to live in fear of death. Whether you're, you're 15 or 25 or 45 or, or 75, you don't have to distance or distract yourself from the thought of dying. Because the way that we ultimately arrive at home is through death. And so it's appropriate to reflect on the fact that you are going to die. It's a heavenly paradigm shift to talk about life as temporary and heaven as eternal. Because Jesus' death and resurrection and the everlasting life that he gives us reframes how we experience the transient things of this world. And so take time to contemplate your morality, mortality, the impermanence of this life, and the reality of heaven. Take time to contemplate your mortality, the impermanence of this life, and the reality of heaven. We seek heaven in our hearts. We set our minds on life after this. And then Colossians tells us, here's the truth. For you have died. You've already died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You died. Your life is hidden with Christ, meaning your life is Christ's life. This is such a powerful verse, and I'm telling you, if you can wrap your soul around this, let it saturate your identity, it will change how you live. You will live like heaven is real and like you know that you're going there. Because heaven, properly understood, it doesn't make this life or this world less important. It actually gives us a reason to take this world and the people here, and the mission of God in this world very seriously. C.S. Lewis put it well when he said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. So you may have heard the phrase before, he or, or she, they're so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good. And, and I got to tell you, that's just wrong. Because someone who is truly, truly heavenly minded cannot help but live for earthly good as an outpouring of their faith in Christ. Because it's who you are. Galatians 2.20, it, it puts this perfectly saying, I have been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live. It's not me anymore. I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Your heart, your mind set on heaven, it will inevitably affect how you live life on earth. Your life is hidden with Christ. You've been crucified with him. Christians, we no longer live. It's not my life or, or your life any longer. It's Christ's life within us. 
And, and so I can begin to live as if Jesus were living out my day. How would Jesus interact in my relationships at work or at home? How would he speak to my wife or, or, or my kids? How would Christ spend my money? How, how would Jesus utilize my free time? Because here's the point. None of those things are, are mine. My life is no longer mine. It belongs to Christ who lives in me. And, and if we live like that, if we look at our lives as, as not our own, but as Christ's, we're going to live differently. And so ask yourself, how are you living Jesus' life through you here on earth? What are the things that you are doing that are going to last into eternity? This is the life-altering reality of heaven. There's life after this, and you can live like heaven is real and like Christ lives in you. And, and so let's apply this now. Let's apply this to two different areas of our lives. And, and you can certainly introspect and apply it to other parts of your life. But today I want to focus on two areas that show us what we, what we really treasure, what captivates our heart, and also what we think about most, what occupies our mind. And so let's ask, how do you spend your money and what do you do with your time? There was a book written a few years ago by a, a couple of, of Harvard MBAs. They, they were at Harvard studying to get their, their degrees in business. And along the way, they became Christians. And they wrote this book called God and Money. Because when they found life in Christ, it caused them to reevaluate everything, especially how they thought about money, but also about their life goals, their, their dreams, their hopes, their time. And because with their lives in Christ, they begin to treasure heaven in their hearts and, and they began to think about eternity in their minds and it changed how they lived. And, and these two authors in this book, they said that when it comes to money and time, people have one of, of three different views and, and we usually fall into one of three different types. And so as I share these with you, try to identify which one that you are like currently. Which one is most like you right now? So the first type they called uh, the spender. The spender. And these people, they believe that money, uh, time's greatest value is adding enjoyment to today. Right here, right now. And so they spend their lives on the present. They, they seek the highest enjoyment in the moment. Their time is only their own their money is, is for their goals and purposes. And they might save some, but it's only to add pleasure to life on earth. And they spend their time maximizing today. That's type one. That's the spender. Type two, they call the saver. And savers, in contrast, they don't focus so much on today because their eyes are on the horizon. But it's usually out of fear. Because to them, money's greatest value is in providing safety and comfort and security. Time is to be used on things that will lead to safety or contentment later 
tomorrow. And so they try to limit spending too much money or investing too much time in outward things or in other people because they don't want to overextend or get hurt or, or run out because saving equals security. That's the saver. The third type, the book calls the steward. And these people, the stewards, they see assets, they see time and money and, and the things that they have as temporary, as gifts from God to be used in the brief time they have on earth for the purposes of God. They, they see the red tape on the rope and, and they also see the rest of the rope. And so the steward will use money to provide for their family and, and, and they'll save responsibly for the future. But their attention isn't on those things. Their attention, their focus is on things above. They use their time, some might say irresponsibly, because they spend so much of it on other people, with other people, with their church. They use their money. Some people might call it reckless because they spend it on things that might not be tangible or have value here on earth. And they give a lot of it away. They live like heaven is real and like they know they're going there. And so they use their time and money the way that they believe Christ would in their life. And in light of the truth of heaven, if you've been raised with Christ, we're called to live as stewards here on earth. Because when you have life in Christ, Christ is your life. And heaven becomes your reality. And so you set your heart on things above and you desire heaven. And you set your mind there and you acknowledge that, that you're going to die and, and there might not be a later. And that this world isn't all that there is. And it's certainly not home. And when you live like heaven is real and, and like you are certain that that is your destiny and you're going to live there forever, then you can live as a steward in this world. Living like heaven is real means that we can be generous with our, our time and our money. And, and I know this is a time of fear and uncertainty, but I can tell you, it will not last. It won't. Because earthly things don't last. But eternity is forever. So be a steward, not just when it's easy, but when it's difficult. Spend and invest in things that are going to last and place your treasure in heaven. Maybe that means you spend less money on, on yourself or, or you don't make that purchase because it only has temporary value. Or on the other hand, maybe, maybe you give more when everyone else is saving because as a steward, you know that you're making an eternal investment. For you, maybe living like heaven is real means trusting God with your finances, with your money, and, and starting to tithe. Giving regularly to the church, the bride of Christ, whose scripture says will last forever, will exist in heaven. Maybe as a family, you, you refocus how you're spending your money and, and on what? 
And parents, perhaps you sit down together with your kids and you say, look, we are in Christ. Christ is in us. And we are on a trajectory toward heaven. And so we're going to live like it. And, and that might mean living differently. Pray about this with your kids. Write down some things that, that you could spend less on. And, and then think of, think of a number. Think of a sum and, and talk about how you're going to invest that together as a family into something eternal. Sponsor a missionary that you know. Uh, give generously to an, an orphanage or a ministry or, or to somebody in need. Pray together. And, and then seek an opportunity with your money to live like heaven is real. And we can also be generous stewards of our time. Ask yourself, what are the time commitments that will last and, and which ones are, are only earthly? Your life is Christ's life. And are you spending your time on more heavenly things or more earthly ones? Or are you saving all of your time because it's, it's your time? Could you live like heaven is real and, and steward the time that you have here? And so what if you began to look for ways to live as Jesus lived, to invest your time the way that he did? Jesus spent his time loving God and loving people, ministering to people. And the second part, I know it seems difficult while we're all stuck in our homes and, and we don't have the opportunity to, to serve in our church or, or in a ministry. But the time that we do have right now is an opportunity that, that we may never have again. And we can either look at our, our current situation and our current circumstances as something to, to simply survive and, and get through, or perhaps we've been given an opportunity to spend our time on something, or, or rather on someone eternal. Could you call that family member that you maybe haven't talked to in a while? Renew that friendship Get to know your neighbors, the people in the apartment next to you or in, in the house down the street. Or, or parents, what about the eternal souls in your own home? What are ways right now that you could use your time to invest in someone who will last into eternity? Heaven is real. We can live like it in how we treat the people around us a worthwhile investment in eternity could be the relationship that you start or that you build or rebuild with someone so that you can minister to them and love them like Jesus loves them. You could spend your time praying for that person and, and caring for them. Write them a note, reach out, film a, film a video and, and send it to them. Ask if they need help. Ask if you could pray for them. And ask for God to give you an opening or, or a chance to share the hope that you have in Christ with them. That is a heavenly stewardship of time in this time. Set your heart on heaven and treasure the things that are above. Set your mind on heaven and know that this world, it's not your home 
and your, your destiny, your eternity stretches far beyond the here and now. And know that your life, it's actually Christ's life through you. And that is how we're meant to live in light of the truth of heaven. So grace, let's live like heaven is real and like we know we're going there. Would you please pray with me? Father, thank you for who you are and for your son. God, we have an eternity with you in heaven because of, of Jesus, because of his, his life and death and resurrection. And God, we thank you for that. And so, Father, we pray that our lives here would be reflections of that, that we would uh, be mirrors of, of Christ through us. God, I, I ask that you would Give us conviction. Help us to know the things that we treasure and help us to evaluate how we can treasure heaven. Father, compel us, show us the areas of our lives that we, we need to turn over to you and, and live as if we know heaven is real. Help us to do that this week, Father, and for the rest of our lives. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Grace. We will see you again next week, and we can't wait to see you again in person one day. We are looking forward to that. Have a great Sunday.